Morning. Thanks. Someone's awake. Brilliant. <laughs> so it's brilliant to be in the house of the Lord this morning. The thing I love about Liberty is we're a family. And if you're here today, I just want to really stress that we're happy that you're with our family today. You're welcome. Look around. Everybody's of a different age, some different races, different backgrounds. But everybody is welcome here this morning, okay? And Lord wants to speak to us this morning because he sees us. Um, I was just thinking about how we are, you know, in a family, God is our father. So let's put aside maybe if you have any negative aspects of that, if you've had it bad, but he's a good, good father and we're his children and we're a family together. So you're welcome. It's important that you're here today and God wants to speak to you this morning, not because I said it, because God said it. Amen? So, um, you know, kind of do a bit of, like I've preached a good bit and, you know, I kind of have a pattern and I have a nice way of doing things and I've kind of got into a system, there's things I like to do, right? But this week, dear Lord God, <laughs> I just found this week trying to get what God wanted me to say it was like grabbing things out of the sky. And I was like, seriously, I'm so uncomfortable this morning. Usually give me a mic. I'm happy out, okay? I will crack a few jokes. Um, I will bring what God has spoken. It's not a problem. So I just want to start. I know Rob has prayed with me, but there's something I just want to start with that I really felt God wanted us to pray about. And um, if Mel can put the verse up, it's that we start off with that one John. Uh, no, sorry, John. Um, the verse in John that says, "For you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free." I think Miles going to put it up there. Yeah, eight thirty-two. Um, this morning I'm going to speak about fear. Okay. Um, random thought. Um, and if you are struggling with fear in your life, and there's things going on. Um, there's different ways you can look at fear. And sometimes we've got our individual fears that cripple us and um, our anxieties and the difference between that. Now, that's how I started preparing. And this is why God wrecked my head this week. Because <laughs> I'd be comfortable in that. Like my ideal sermon is I find a person in the Bible and I look at their character and the human side of them and the amazingness of God and how God worked in that. That's how I'm comfortable teaching. Love it. That's me. So I had a nice little looking at David, his anxieties, and then God, I'm preparing, and God's like, stop. I'm like, but I have a really good sermon, Lord. You don't understand. I've got it sorted. And he's like, no, I want you to talk about fear in a different way. So um, the way I'm going to talk about fear is looking at us as a people, Okay, you look at fear in individual lives, but let's look at fear as groups of people and how they act when they um, have fear. Okay, and the reason I started with the, the verse um, in, in John that says, For you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because we're all sitting here, we're lovely, we're Christians. Bless you, sister. God bless you. Happy to be here. If I said, If we have a congregation or us as a people, if we had, would we be driven by fear? We'd all be like, No. No idea what you're talking about. We're lovely people. Praise God. I'm not full of fear. We're not full of fear. This is lovely. Look, it feels nice. It's warm. Except if you go get tea, then you'd be freezing. But stay in here. It's lovely. It's warm. We're lovely. It's cozy. But the thing that started me on this journey about thinking about how people, and specifically the people of God, which is us, how we can have fear and it can drive us, without even realizing it. Is I'm reading a book 
um, I have to go into hosp- in and out of hospital because of this um, for ap- appointments and the train rides and all this. I have a lot of time, so I started reading, and I have this little habit, or I pop into the secondhand shop and pick a book off the shelf for a euro, something you know I haven't read in a while, and I'll sit on the train because there's a lot of waiting around. And I've picked up the book called Invictus. Has anybody heard that? It's the story of Nelson Mandela. You may have seen the movie. I watched the movie, but the book is a lot better. And I'm just looking and I'm reading about Nelson Mandela. And I'm reading about apartheid in South Africa. Does everybody understand about apartheid? About how there's a sphere division where people of colour were treated with no respect, no rights, no nothing. There was a hierarchy. And the races were divided into strata. And... It was something that I like, as I'm reading it, I'm disgusted by it. I'm standing here now on my moral high ground as a white privileged uh, Irish woman, uh, disgusted. How could this happen? That it never happened here. Apart, it's disgusting. And the thing that struck me, Nelson Mandela starts describing the people who, um, who created apartheid. And you know what stuck me in my tracks? They were people who loved God. Apartheid was, a, was based on theology. There were people, the, mainly the Africana people, who came to church on a Sunday, who stood up and praised God and sang from their soul, who declared the God of Israel as the greatest God, who is the Lord of heaven and earth. They believed that Jesus came and died for their sins on the cross. And these people, so we can look at them like, oh, those evil people, I have nothing in common with them. How do they ever do this? Those, how can they treat people like that? That's so disgusting. That's horrendous. But Nelson Mandela in the book describes them. He humanizes these people. We like to villainize people. Oh, their baddies were goodies. That's really simple, okay? He looked at his enemies because God showed him how to look at his enemies. And he's seen them as people. They were loving fathers, wonderful mothers, children with happy childhoods, people who went, had rugby matches, had games, had great times. Their passion for God was what drove them to instigate apartheid in South Africa. I had never thought of it like that. That's how he described, Nelson Mandela described it. And God spoke to him and showed him and gave him the gift to be able to see his enemy as a person and not just a villain. And I'm like, how could people of God act like that? Would you agree? How could people of God read the same word that we read and get something so evil out of it? And what... Nelson Mandela, who is a great man, said it was fear. The fear of losing power meant that they were engulfed by fear. I truly believe if you're a believer of God, your heart can be in the right place. But slowly but surely, the devil gets a little bit of hold in you. You take a little step out from his plan and a little bit step out from his plan and a little bit step out from his plan and before you know you are so far from where God wanted you to be and it's not just an individual that was a nation of people 
fear and the loss of power caused such an evil thing to enter into the world. Not through evil people, as we would say, or horrible people. But what really scares me was through people who loved God. And that made me stop and think. Now, I did history in college, so I love... um, reading about histories different times. So I went, did a little bit of study, a bit of a nerd, imaginary glasses, yes. And um, as I looked at the history of the church, okay, and we can be all, oh, we're not like that anymore. We are humans. We are created by God. But let us never think that we have it all together. Because once you think you have it together, you're giving the devil a chance to make you think that you don't need God anymore. So let's look back throughout history. The people of God, our people, have made huge mistakes. There are so many Mars in history where the church got it wrong. We can go way back. But even if we look in the 80s, in the 80s it was an AIDS epidemic. It started off in the gay community, but it spread out to every part of society. How did the church, our church, maybe not this congregation, but the greater international body that we're a part of, reacted? The loudest voice was not running in, caring for dying people who were riddled with this horrible disease. It started off with shouting, that's God's judgment on you. You deserve this. I'm having nothing got to do with you. Repent, turn. All religious words, that's not God's heart. Fear of this epidemic turned the Christians, not all. Tony Campola, who's an amazing evangelist, he said, he opened his church and he said, if you are sick, if you are dying, if you're a sinner, come to my church. I will wash your feet. I will bathe you. I will hold your hand. Will you go to meet your maker? But the majority of the church, more recently, 1980s, responded to the AIDS epidemic by condoning people and condemning people. Now, to the most part, I pray that we've humbled ourselves before the Lord and declared, Lord, I'm so sorry. May we never do that again. May we take our judgmental and our fear of the unknown and put it down and say, God, heal our hearts. But that's another example of when Christians left fear in as a group and respond in a way that is so far from what God would want us to be. If we could look at 2 Timothy and my scripture verse I've lost. So Second Timothy is, for the Spirit of God gives, um, gave us, for the Spirit, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and of self-discipline. And in some translations, they say rather than self-discipline, a sound mind. God has not called us to be a people of fear. If you look at the children of Israel, 
um, there's two types of the way you can look at it. There's um, they go kind of the relationship. Let's just take a broad stroke of the Old Testament, okay? So forgive me as we take a big, huge passage of history and we're just going to jump through them. They seem to have two modes, okay? They go from being fearful. There's a lot of time where they're like, God, save us. Save us from the Philistines. Save us from the Amalek. Save us from all these evil people. They're going to kill us. True fact, they did have something to be afraid of. They were trying to kill them. Then God answers them because God is faithful that he will always answer our prayers. And then the other reaction they have, there's never really in the middle. They kind of swing. They go, fearful, help us. Or they're like, no fear anymore. We're all friends. They get fully submerged in a pagan society and God has to be like, what are you doing? Stop sacrificing your children. Stop doing pagan festivals. Hello, I'm the Lord your God. They lose complete fear of God, holy reverence. And then the other thing, they swing straight back out. And then they're, please God, they're trying to kill us. Ah, oh God, we're fine. You're grand. We're having a great time here. Please God, forgive us. Oh, they're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. That's oh, grand. We're all friends. We're having a laugh. There's a thing nowadays that we have. And it's... um. When I first became a Christian, I was told, and it was out of goodness, okay? But that we had a lot of teaching about that you were in the world, but not of the world. Have you heard that verse before? So we're in the world, but not of the world. So I was 17 and I came to know God. And um, the church we were in, it was, God it was so good and it was so amazing. So I'm not critiquing. But to being in the world, not of the world, meant that I had to throw out any music that wasn't Christian. I had to be fully separate. I couldn't go, I couldn't hang out with anybody, couldn't go out with my friends, couldn't, um, you know, do anything. And it wasn't in a trying to control you ways, a protection. But it was a little bit of fear came in. A fear that if we mixed with people, who didn't believe what we believed, that we would become like the Israelites, fully submerged in the society, making all the pagan sacrifices, doing all that. Now, as I've walked with God, I'm very blessed that my friends who weren't, aren't believers didn't give up on me because I'd like literally drop them. I had really good friends. They weren't crazy. They weren't like off, they weren't like doing crazy stuff that we shouldn't have been doing. But I dropped them because I was like, no, I'm a Christian now. Just me and the Lord, and my holy huddle, a bunch of friends. We're just going to go to youth group events, listen to Jesus Freak by DC Talk, have fun youth group nights. It's fine, lads, no, no, no I don't need you anymore. And my friends were very, very good to me. I dumped them. They didn't dump me. They kept up with me. And I learned over time, I felt God telling me, that I was actually called to be around people, to love people, to not fear people who don't believe the same thing as me. That I was to be the light. Not me being the light, but the one who is in me. The God who saved me, who took me out of darkness and despair and depression and hating myself, who set my feet upon a solid rock of God, of knowing him, that I am loved, that I am accepted, that I am broken, but you know what? My God can heal me. And to take that knowledge and that love and that joy and be that to my friends. 
accepted. There was no fear. If I knew who I was and I knew who my God was and I stayed focused on him and the love of the people around me to love them, that I wouldn't become submerged, that I wouldn't become affected and there was nothing to fear. And maybe, I think, maybe in church we have a better, now, now the church, through understanding and teaching, um, have a better understanding of that. We're less, you know, keep away in the holy huddle. Patrice had a really amazing word last week um, during worship. I'm going to try to do the best I can to kind of reiterate it. If I get it wrong, Rob, just throw a Bible at my head. Um, pregnancy has my reflexes a bit slower, so you'll definitely hit me. Um, so... Uh, she spoke about, she had a picture and she saw <clears throat> our church, our congregation, just up front, hands lifted high, praising God, giving him absolute glory and loving him. And from that, we went out through the doors. We went out to the world. And as we went out to bring Jesus to people, we had deep roots. We were going to be like oak trees or um, big reds, you know, those huge, deep, deep roots. And it really, really struck with me two things that was pertaining to this week. One was that we are not called to stay up here at the altar in the comfort zone just praising God. That is a good and holy thing. I will never give out about that. But God has called us to take that revelation, to take that amazing knowledge of who God is and those feelings in our heart and step out and go out and bring it to the world and not let our fear keep us in this holy huddle. But what about those people out there? What if they don't believe the same as me? What if they change my mind? What if they cripple me? Me, me, me. God has changed my life and I'm very grateful, but it's not for my benefit. If I've been changed and I've countered the living God, it's for the benefit of someone else who needs to hear it as well. Because there's a there's kind of an idea that has come in a little bit to to to, cheat, to teachings in the church, and I can totally understand where it comes from. When you read the Bible, it uses the word, and I can totally understand. So it's not a critique, but it's this fear of the world, especially when you look into end times and you look that the world is evil. And that there's a lot of there is a lot of horrible things happening. Yesterday I listened to a TED talk by a nonprofit who have started um, who have started a new software to crush the epidemic of um, child pornography that's out there because it has exploded on the internet. Do you know in the 1980s the um, child pornography was virtually stamped out, and then the internet hit. And so I'm not naive. There's a lot of evil, evil things going on in the world, so I'm not being naive when I say this. But it's not all dark and gloom. The world, as in there are things that are happening, there are powers or principalities that are working that are definitely evil. But God says, for God so loved the world the world being the people, that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. 
God so loved the world. God cannot love evil. If people in the world are evil, then God couldn't love them. Okay? It's the actions. It's the spirits that are out there that are controlling things that are wrong. Because we don't fight a battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And we stigmatize people. And we look at the world and, and, you know, you may be sitting there and you're like, no, no, I don't. I don't like, I totally get what you're saying, but that's not me. But I'm going to come back to the verse before I go next forward in John. For you should know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We as a church body in the world have to be honest. We have fears of other people that don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't speak like us. And for you, everybody has different. And you're like, no, no, I'm not. I, I genuinely would think I'm not like that. Like, I'm, I'm talking to myself here, right? I'm saying to myself, no, I don't. Oh, I'm so, like, I'm so modern. Like, I've, got, I've even got black friends. Like, I'm totally cool, right? But we all have it. And if we don't admit it, we will then develop prejudices and we are then giving the devil a foothold just like throughout history the church has a little step and a little step and a little step. Before you know it, you're miles away from what God wanted us as a church body to be. So I'm going to ask you today, have a think about what is the fear that inadvertently can drive you to have a prejudice There's some group of people or individuals in the world that deep down you may have a prejudice about. Maybe it's the Muslim community. Maybe it's people of different races. Maybe it's people from the traveling community. Maybe it's people from the gay or the trans community that make you feel so incredibly uncomfortable. You don't know how to handle it. You don't know what to do about it. So you're just going to ignore it. Tim Keller has a great sermon on fear. And he talks about how the world has two ways of dealing with emotions, particularly fear, okay? Because fear is the most primal emotion. He said, a baby comes out, and what's the first emotion when a baby, the minute it's born? It starts crying and screaming. Of course it's crying and screaming. It's been ripped out of a warm, comfortable place. It's been smacked on the back, possibly got fingers stuck down its throat, and there's light and everything. And the baby doesn't calm and stop crying until it's placed on someone's chest and it calms because it can hear the heartbeat again, something familiar. So the first emotion that we ever feel in life is fear. It's very primal. And we're so used to it, we don't even recognize it. And he says, in the, there's two ways we deal with it. The first way is the religious way, okay? Where, no, it's fine, praise the Lord. I am, I am not afraid of anything. God is good, God is faithful. He is true, I am not afraid. You will quote, you will give me more verses than I, I had a whole sheet. I just seem to have lost it somewhere between my pew and there with a list full of scriptures that speak about fear, okay? 
and you could tell me all them. That's the religious way. We don't really acknowledge it. No, we just keep on focusing on who God is and what God says. Okay, that's the religious way. Then you have the world way, where everybody's really in touch about expressing their emotions and their, you know, they'll say, that's my truth. They want to tell you, they'll tell you, like, you can't contradict anybody, you can't encounter anybody because that's their truth. That's just the way it is. But Tim Keller is an amazing um, teacher and um, his understanding of the word is amazing. And he said, the Bible offers us a third way as believers. And the third way is that we acknowledge those emotions of fear, that we would know the truth and the truth will set us free. I'm afraid of whatever your fear is, whatever your people group you're afraid of, whatever situation you don't know how to handle because it doesn't match up with your theology. I'm afraid of this. And he says the third way is that we bring it in prayer to God. We don't ignore it. We say, God, I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of all these people from different nations coming in. I don't know what it means. It's going to change myself. I'm afraid. But, but, I prayed all my fears, all my anxieties, everything that's going on. I be truthful. I scream. I shout. Whatever it is you're afraid of, whatever your thing is, okay? But, you have promised me in your word. What has he promised? He has promised that he's not given me a spirit of fear. He has not left me crippled. Mal, can you put up that other verse in John where it speaks about where there is love? There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I am afraid, but... I have God's love. And God's love cannot exist with fear. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. But the Lord has not given me a spirit of fear. The third way is that we acknowledge our fears. We don't hide them. We acknowledge the truth that we are flawed. I would really hate to look back in my old age and be embarrassed about how I was involved in a, in a world, you know, worldwide church community that was so gripped by fear against different communities that that we went somewhere God never wanted us to go because we didn't know how to handle it. We were gripped by fear. I can give you so many stories and there's a lot of papers written about World War II and, and the large majority of Christians who were just happy that they were left alone or that they could preach the gospel that they didn't say anything against the Nazis. Um. 
And there's so many stories throughout history where believers have allowed fear to come into their community and as a group drive their move. Never the intention. They loved God. We love God. But if we don't stop with our inner, if we don't really search ourselves, then perhaps we could end up there. So I'm going to end. Um, I know this has been very difficult than my usual sermon, so apologies, it's been a bit meandering. But I really felt that today that God wanted us to just stop and look inside. And if you don't know what fear it is, ask God to show you. Because our prejudices can be so masked that we don't realize it. That we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. That we could be the people that God has called us to be. That we could not stay in our holy huddle at the altar just praising God. But that we would walk out those doors. And that our roots would be so deep that fear would not cripple us. That we would not tumble. That we would not fall. That we would not be in fear of what other people think. That would not direct us. That we would walk out and be the light And bring the gospel to those communities that need it so desperately, who are dying, who are in pain, who are crippled with anxiety, who are crippled by fear. That we would show them that that fear, the love of God, could cast out all fear. That God wants them to know him and love him. Father, I pray that you would, Lord, open our hearts and our minds to our own prejudices, to our own blind spots. That, Father, we would be the people you had called us to be. Not so afraid that we stick in a holy huddle, but that we live open and free lives knowing who we are and knowing who our God is and what he's called us to do. In Ephesians, you speak about, the Lord speaks about putting on the armor of God. We're not putting on the armor against individuals or individual communities, but we're putting it on against the spirits that work to destroy the lives of the people we love. So, Father, give us the shoes of peace from the armor of God to bring the gospel of peace out out of these doors, Lord. Make us uncomfortable. send us to those people who we just we don't know how we're going to do it and the only way we're going to do it is if you anoint us if you put your spirit on us Lord because we've no idea how to relate to some of these people but you do that we may know the truth and the truth will set us free in Jesus precious name Amen I'd encourage you to hang around for a cup of tea. Try and find someone that you wouldn't usually talk to. Make yourself uncomfortable. Because God wants to move and he wants to do something in Bray and in Dublin and in Ireland. But we're going to have to acknowledge our fears first. Amen? Amen.